Hello, Mrs. Audio Art Hall 49, as from the 31st of March. I was very long-winded in every single attempt to uh, make a broadcast on that day and kept pulling them back and thinking I was talking too much about myself, which is a strange, punishing kind of uh, editorial concern. Uh, but anyway... I'd woken again very early at that hour. I think it's sometimes called unearthly. And it isn't quite earthly. Interstitial, maybe. Anyway, it's between, between, betwixt and between four o'clock in the morning when people, yeah, die or wake up or return from parties, I guess. Anyway, whatever, that is when I woke up in Edinburgh because I was going to talk to Richard DeMarco for Voxbox. I'm sure Richard DeMarco doesn't need any introduction, but then why am I sure? I don't even know who's listening. Hello? <laughs> and, uh, you know, somebody that might be a household name in one context is completely unheard of in another. Well, Richard DeMarco is a legend in terms of British and particularly Scottish art history and contemporary art as we know it because he is responsible for bringing over Joseph Boyce, Marina Abramovich when she was 19, I think, and Tadush Kantor, Niago, and and many, many other artists and people, thinkers, seekers, storytellers, have been brought together in his remarkable force field. He asked me, because he knew I had had a great fondness for the artist, the great artist and educator Paul Niago, would you like to see a portrait that Paul did of me? And I said, oh, I really would. And he showed me a wonderful drawing, but it was not from a life class, it, of course. It was of a tornado. So it was a perfect, a perfect portrait of Richard DeMarco, who most people call Ricky DeMarco. I met Richard um, in 2013 in Venice when I was representing Bournemouth in a fringe palazzo called the Palazzo Zenobio and he'd come to something and was extremely enthusiastic and lovely, warm and uh, said the great thing about you Marcia is you're not famous which I took as a great compliment and uh, you know, a, a reason to be cheerful. He actually, you know, does speak at length about finding out for himself the meaning of art, when, particularly when his funding was withdrawn, and that was as a result of some political action that Joseph Boyce took in local politics. But again... This context is no place for me to try to 
impart such intriguing information which I can do no justice to without having made some notes. Anyway, visiting um, Richard DeMarco in his um, DeMarco Foundation headquarters was a really wonderful experience, a bit like sort of something of a trip through the um, yeah, shape-shifting, size-shifting portals via which Alice enters a totally different world. And of course everything is brought to life. So the dead, as much as the living, are alive in this reckoning of what art is, what it can do socially, politically and spiritually. He's not abashed about the spiritual nor about the ancient stones and their importance to us all now. The ancient stones of far the far north of Scotland, which I, I don't know and must visit or I won't be a true artist. I can believe that. Anyway, it's a very invigorating way of, of hearing about about what is possible and what has been possible. I thought when he said to me, I brought Europe to Scotland. I had to bring Europe to Scotland. You know, how vital such a, such a piece of work was and is. Last, last time, last audio art hole, um, I'd, I'd been in Toledo and because I'd been thinking of El Greco, well, not just thinking of El Greco being in, you know, in front of the works of El Greco, I, and I'd been thinking of his journey from Crete via, I think it was Crete in Greece, but via Crete, Crete, via Italy, and how he'd been Titian's pupil. And that, that thought of Titian brought to mind a painting I'd forgotten for years, The Rape of Europa, where Zeus, this time not as a white swan, he's a white bull. He's taken that form to rape Europa. But, you know, I couldn't help thinking, drifting about on the symbolism of the white bull um, raping Europa. Anyway, it was it was curious and perhaps not so curious, um, but definitely coincidental that uh, Richard DeMarco, among many other things he spoke of, spoke of the burial of the Count of Orgath, and uh, it was really rather convenient for me that I had this work so vividly in my mind because it always feels very disappointing to be the person that can't quite remember except you know you can just say tell me about it I can't remember that's always a way out but it's it's a great pleasure to be able to share enthusiasms especially for art I think that Richard DeMarco, of all people, 
caused me to understand and be more, yes, be more understanding, more lenient. Even. <laughs> Sounds rather pompous, but towards Joseph Boyce, I'd always found him, you know, very um, macho for all the gentleness that, you know, is in, embodied maybe in in the works. Um, there's a sort of unpleasantness I always felt. And I didn't like the fact he told female students to go and get married and have children. Or maybe he didn't tell them to get married, to go and have children. I just thought there was something about him. I thought he'd spent too long in the Hitler youth camps. And, uh, and yes, the mythology. I didn't like his mythology. I much preferred, you know, Louise Bourgeois' stories of the governess to his among Tartars saved by fat and felt. Actually, to be fair, I had quite liked it, but I didn't really like him or his face or anything. And, and only through Richard DeMarco I really understood a gentleness and a, and a good intention that was, you know, helpful because I think it's always good if anybody, curator, critic, historian can write of artists in a way that gives other people ways to understand their intentions calmly in a sort of, oh, I can't speak at all. I think I'll just have to go again. Cut off before it reaches the terrible ten minutes. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.